0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another Boardroom Out of Office, once again recording, though, in the office. And today, very special guest and a partner of ours at Boardroom and 35V. Please welcome to the show, the global creative advisor and rock star, <laughs> Ashlyn Harris. Thanks for or, having let me. let me say, global oh. creative advisor of Gotham FC. Correct. I just called you the... Global Creative Advisor.
1: Well, we can do that too.
0: Yeah, you could just be the one and only.
1: I could take that. Well, welcome I'll take to that. the show. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be here again.
0: Yes, it's so good to have you. And the reason you were here before, just to clear up for our listeners, is we are investors in Gotham FC. But like anything we work on when we invest, we're all in. And mm-hmm. I hope you have felt that. Absolutely. Yes. And we have an entire group of people at, the, at Boardroom that are dying to be at the home opener. Love you love where this franchise is going. Yes. And my question to you is, in this new role in your life, do you love where you are at? Do you love living in New York City? And being that this is the first year of your life really, right? Since you were probably twelve mm-hmm. or thirteen years old where you're not playing, where are you mentally and how are you feeling about this soccer season in front of you?
1: Wow, that's a loaded it's question. Geez, that's a lot. Jeez, a that's lot. lot. A I lot. mean, are we gonna be here all day? But uh, you know what? I am at peace with uh, closing the chapter of my playing career. Uh, I think you get to a place where you. I just felt like I could make more of an impact growing the women's game and growing this brand here in New York City off the field than I could do it on it. Um, so I made the decision, uh, you know, just to step away. It was time for me. I did a lot of complaining I feel I ruffled a lot of feathers because I feel that I have to continue to pave the way of what women's sports can be and it's hard to do that while you're playing and demanding more investment demanding more TV time demanding more viewership and more people in the you know the seats to create an important environment and I just felt like more of my energy was focused off the field And I knew it was time to step away. I knew it was time for me to be in a role where I could really create impact and change. Um, You know, just like you guys, you're, you're investing in this club and it's important for me to deliver and grow this brand to what it can be. It's a beautiful market here in New York City. It's, you know, one of the most incredible places to be and you know we're just scratching the surface at this point and and now my job is to make it an empire mm-hmm. to build something special to make it a spectacle that like some you know what Madison Square Garden does all the time like it's it's a fucking show yeah. right and and i'm happy to be in this place i'm at peace with stepping away it is time i feel like i've checked every box i can possibly check at this point and now it's time to, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. maybe just like you one day, be an owner. Um, so I'm slow, slowly just building my way up.
0: And you checked every box, and literally, you were a uh, three-time college national champion, Correct. right? Let me see if I get this right. Two-time World Cup champion. Correct. You also won a WSP championship. Yes. Women's soccer. No, WPS. W- women's yeah. professional soccer. Correct. Um, what other incredible accolades am I forgetting?
1: Two-time goalkeeper of the year.
0: Two-time goalkeeper of the year.
1: Yeah, um, I went to. I was the youngest player in the FIFA Women's Youth World Championship that we won uh, when I was fifteen. Incredible. Yeah. And
0: you know, I think sometimes what gets lost with athletes that aren't playing, let's say maybe in the NFL or the NBA, is when you have a illustrious career like this, the same emotions I would imagine and the same kind of challenges in walking away are the same things that Michael Jordan, that Roger Federer, Mm -hmm. that all of these athletes have to go through and then you do it and you don't have as much of this like fanfare. And I would imagine when you've put your entire life into something every single day, there have to be some emotions in that like, do you see what I've done? Like, do you see what I've done? I mean, amongst the many issues that I know women have to deal with in the sports world, um and women's soccer players just as an athlete that's succeeded at the highest level do you feel any of that like i did all of this and like where is more of my fanfare for this sport and my performance
1: you know i don't ever think of it like that i i I genuinely don't i mean i pretty much announced my retirement in a gucci suit at, at the end of a you know um at the gala with the national team. So I had no send off game, no celebration, nothing like that. For me, it's just really never been about that. Honestly. Um, I just feel like I did. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. I don't care. You know, my, that's not where I feel like it's not something I feel like I need in a weird way. I I feel like the narrative should be, now that I've done all these things, I have no 401k. I have no pension. I have, my body is fucking duct, literally duct taped together. And I'm going to probably have extensive knee damage. I am already arthritic in both my knees and I have no backbone. I have no support. I have nothing. I I literally have to walk away from this beautiful career. And I started working... That quickly.
0: Day one. Yeah. That's So that's
1: more needs to be, in my opinion, the narrative. Because that is so just not okay. No. It's just not.
0: When did you realize or did you always know how unfair in some ways the playing field has been for you since day one?
1: Oh, it's been a grind since the moment I stepped into it. Um, I just feel like it's, you know, you break through one barrier and then a giant wall arises for the next. And, you know, it's... It, it has been a passion of mine to move women's sports forward, but it has also been exhausting. You know, I was one of the plaintiffs on equal pay for uh, the US women's national team, and now they do have equal, equal pay. I'll never see the benefit of that, yeah. which is fine because it is important for me to pave the way and create space where these players imagine if they, you know, imagine if I just had to focus on my craft. And not all the other BS that comes with it, right? You know, working several jobs, working, you know, to create a brand so it gives me more money in my pocket because sports sure as hell that it didn't pay the bills. So it's just so interesting when you think of all these things. It has been so exhausting and I still show up. And I'm still energized to do it all over again. And there's so much work that still has to be done.
0: I think it's amazing, like listening to you right after we went through all of your accolades and then to think about the fact that what is at the top of your mind now is after all of that, you got to start from day one with a job, your knees are shot, you feel no support. And Mm -hmm. you did this at the highest level. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that this is how women feel across sports in its entirety, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: And when you start this job now at Gotham, how much do you focus on the macro of women's sports or how much do you have to say, all right, my job is Gotham FC. And if I can make this change here within New York City and with this franchise, that's all I can do. Or how much burden do you feel in general, knowing that Even at the highest level, you have to deal with some of these issues.
1: Yeah, no, I deal with it all the time, you know, and and it's my job to go in and be the voice for the players. Like I want to make player experience much better here because the growth of the NWSL across the league, I mean, look at what LA has done in their first year, you know, And, and it is incredible to see the growth and that is the potential we could bring here to New York with the right, ownership group the right investors and the right vision Mm -hmm. so it's my job to come in now and sit at these tables and say here's how we're going to create real change and this is the vision for this brand because it's a hard market i mean there's no that that, it's new york yeah it's either you got it or you don't yeah you know like do you want to be a new jersey team go out to the sticks Do you want to be new york let's go like this is what this is my passion is to brand this to make it something that grows far beyond just the playing field, but a, a true brand and an empire that is, you know, global. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to do that. I'm up for the challenge. And I love having such great people in my corner that are going to hold me accountable all the time and, you know, hopefully understand that this is going to take investment. This yeah. is going to take money to build something special and unique and i think women's sports here you know you talk about the liberty you talk about gotham some kick-ass teams yeah
0: well the liberty now have this super team right yeah and i think in general the conversation around women's sports has changed right would you you would acknowledge that the conversation has changed whether Mm -hmm. the results have come in yet or not the conversation has changed what is The last few years feel like for you, as someone who's always championed this, to hear some of these issues come to the surface, is there a bit of cynicism, like here we go again? Or do you really feel like people have paid attention and are trying to make some change?
1: I would say a balance of both, right? A balance of both. Like it's a constant, like it's constant damage control, I would say, a lot of the times because it's. It is hard, and you do you do face a lot of barriers here in, in, in the women's game because we don't have billionaire owners like the NBA, the NFL. We don't have the support staff. You know, it's I'm doing seven jobs right now at Gotham, and I'm totally okay with that. And, and even my wife is like, "Jesus, is this really your role?" And I'm like, "Everything is my role if I want it done right." you know and that's just my mindset is hey you need help with sponsorship let's go more money means more investment may, means it makes it easier on the players and i'm just i'm saying yes to everything and i think eventually that will even out but i really really believe in the vision of this club like you and KD and and all these great ownerships you know Eli coming in and Sue and people really value what we're doing here in this market and i'm so excited to deliver mm. and it will take time nothing happens overnight but um we are and we are we have the right people right now and that's what is going to create really really great change here in this city
0: what is it that angel city besides the investment into the franchise what is it that they've done to start to separate themselves and create a bit of a model
1: well it's you know it's not just LA. Look at what, what Kansas City has done. Yeah. Kansas City went from, you know, they're a better model to actually look at. They were the last place team, came in, had all this money invested into the team, built out a training facility, built out, you know, a, an incredible ownership group that is willing to, inv- and when I mean invest, invest.
0: Yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Right? Him exactly. and his wife. Him
1: and his wife. Last year, they were in the championship game. In my opinion, they did not have a championship team, but investment does incredible oh, things, yeah. right? It's just, it's a no brainer. Now they're building out the first ever specific women's soccer stadium in Kansas City. So now they have a super, I mean, their team is out of this world yeah. at this point. All the best players in the world. Because they're attracted to that investment. They want to show up and be a pro. Yeah. They don't want to show up and do the bullshit every single day, fight for simple stuff that should just be a no-brainer, yeah. right? And that's what you're seeing now. These teams coming in, Boston, San Francisco, no one's pinching pennies. No one's saying, oh, we're just going to kind of make it through. No, we're going to be the best. We're going to invest a ton of money, and we're going to build a franchise that, has a long, you know, longevity in terms of a dynasty, success, championships, you know, sold out crowds. So that's kind of where women's soccer is going in our country now. And and it's our job to continue to progress and move forward mm-hmm. as a club here. And that's what I'm constantly pushing for.
0: And by the way, I the first time I spoke to you, I think one of the things that gets lost a lot is Um, the energy that you bring into a position, the energy that you bring into a task at hand. And so much of it is like understanding the challenge in front of you, having the right attitude, needing the resources to do it, and then inspiring the people around you to believe in that same purpose. Mm -hmm. And there is that leadership quality, clearly, that you've had your whole career as an athlete that I would imagine you're bringing into the front office. Is that energetic feeling around the franchise that you have really starting to be exuded by everybody? Do you feel it around the organization?
1: Yeah, but I, you know, I'm a person who I'm going to sit back. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to sit back, and when this, when this home opener comes-
0: April 1st. Yeah,
1: April 1st. This home opener comes. I'm going to sit back in my chair, and I'm going to say, I fucking told you so, right? Because right now, I don't write the checks, right? So- I'm asking for money, 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 money to build something special. And right now, we need to show the proof that this is what it could be. Look at this. Look at this sold out crowd. Look at this 15 to 20,000 people. Look at these performers. Look at these, it's a whole experience, right? So for me, I'm selling the dream right now. But I wanna turn that dream into action. And when these owners show up, like yourself, I want them to say, damn, we're really doing it right.
0: I see it, yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, and, and it takes money, right? Yeah. It takes, it's not, it's not, it's not cheap. No. It's not.
0: Well, you have to commit to doing it over and over and over again, and that costs money, mm-hmm. right? You're not You're not going to be able to buy success overnight. Um, you can't buy a foundation mm-hmm. and a culture, but if you invest in it and commit to it over and over and over Correct. again, then it starts to come to form. Do you feel like the NWSL, is ready though for teams and people like you to do this because clearly they've had their issues and this has been brought to light. And usually it has to be brought to light to start to change. So that must've been a positive, the Yates report coming out as horrible as it was to see the realities. Is the league ready to grow now too? Have they turned the corner?
1: Yeah, I do. I think we're in a unique place at this point with all the investigations that that have been going on, but what people have to understand is this has been going on for a long time, not just in women's sports, but in business, you know, life, life yeah. how people see women, how they act towards women, and you know, it's a real wake-up call that like now you're being held accountable because there are proper things in place where there wasn't before, yeah. right? Safety is the most important thing uh, you know, concern for the league right now. And right now it's on the extreme side of things. And I think as time, you know, kind of plays on and more investment comes, it means that there's more quality in the staff that we're actually getting to create around the players, right? So for so long, so many of these roles were at such a minimum salary base or, you know, People just helping and volunteering. You're gonna. It's gonna get messy. Yeah. Because now you're bringing in fans. Now you're bringing in a little bit creeps. And now with more investment, these roles and positions, like these, are really good, high level people. Yeah. Like my executive group is really, really high level people. That is based on money. Yeah. Paying the right people to come in to effectively do their job. And that's what you're seeing with the league now. Right. So you're seeing all these protocols in place to make sure they're protecting the players, which is important.
0: Yes. And what's the relationship with NWSL and the women's national team? I never understood that exactly. Right. Because there was a time in which you guys were paid not fairly, but you were paid by the women's national team to actually participate in the NWSL. Right.
1: That was their only hope of keeping us here right so it's hard to compete you know against a chelsea and an arsenal and a psg and a real madrid i mean these clubs have unlimited Budgets, amounts yeah. of money and it you know to build soccer in this country they had to keep the best players and put the best product out for people to watch so that was almost their way of saying hey if you stay here we'll pay you yeah and that's how they built this league until it was sustainable by itself. So now, last year was the first year that any of us were paid by the teams.
0: Wow. The first So year. every woman that was a part of the women's national team and in the NWSL were paid by women's national team. Correct. Were there actually players, though, that weren't part of women's national team and were then paid by NWSL? Yes, Correct. Yes, right? Yeah. And historically, that was one of the biggest kind of points of contention, right, was mm-hmm. that The women in our country, and this always amazed me. One of the biggest reasons why I wanted to invest into the league was if you look at a blank sheet of paper and said, all right, we're going to take the most popular sport in the world. These women are the best in the world and they live in America. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try to compete with a professional league. I'd say this is a no brainer. Yeah. This makes all the sense in the world. But it wasn't able to have worked over the last 20 some odd years. And obviously- we both feel confident that that will change but when you guys were selling out eighty thousand seat stadiums for these exhibitions you weren't getting paid fairly you weren't being treated fairly and we were the best in the world Mm -hmm. so what has changed and what was the battle over the last 10 15 years with the women's national
1: team yeah i mean we brought u.s soccer to court for six years about these issues you know that it was constant i mean i'll give you an example uh, after winning the 2015 World Cup, I flew home in a middle seat on a basic commercial airline.
0: You with know, your, with your medal around your neck. Like
1: it is so. That's nuts. I, I mean, and I put a video online, like just looking somewhere to plug my phone in. I couldn't even find an outlet. You know, you're talking about some of the best players in the world who generate a ton of revenue for this, you know, U.S. soccer, and they just did not care, and they did not want to pay us equal to the men, and they just said it's just, you know, there was nothing really we could do, and we went into tons of bargaining agreements, and it just, we never got anywhere, so finally we were like, fuck it, we'll just handle it in court, and it took six years. And it there was a lot of damage that went on. You know, these are the people that pay you. You don't trust. They don't value you. And, you know, it, it was a really difficult time for all of us, but we were fucking winners. Yeah. We didn't give a shit who was, you know, around. like we wanted to win. And, and that's who we were through and through. And that's why I love this national team so much and playing for, and representing this country is they're winners, man. Yeah. They like... You could have the pre in 2019. Trump was like attacking half of our team, and outwardly being completely negative. No one gave a shit. Yeah, they were like, "All right,
0: stars." The last place we want
1: to go is is to to the the White White House House, while you're in it.
0: Yeah, it's. You look at like women's soccer players. You guys are some of the most like impressive stars that we have in sports in general. And the women's national team was so much better than the men's national team. What did they not see? I like guess, was it just that corrupt? Because to me, just from a business standpoint, are, the men are not as good as you guys. Like, they're just not competitive on a, on a global level the way you guys were. Um, what was it? Like, what was the discrepancy? What was the argument on, as to why they could not value you guys in the same way?
1: Well, that's why we were banging our head against the wall for six years because we were wondering the same thing. Like you're talking about the best team in the world, the most marketable team in the world.
0: That's what I'm saying. The
1: team that puts, that sells out every single game they play in, every single state, country, whatever. So we were wondering the same thing. It was a no-brainer for us. (laughs) So I I like, to this day, I'm like, how did this take six years?
0: That's the scariest part of our society is when you can't even... Give, like you don't want to give anyone with bad intention or anyone that's so sexist or racist ever, yeah, um, the benefit of the doubt. But you hope that you're you're hanging on for like, tell me what it could be. What are we missing? Mm-hmm. Why could you even dare argue that like the women shouldn't get more than the men? And when you realize there's no argument, but just that is the way it is, mm-hmm. that's the scariest part. And I have two young girls, and you know I grew up in New York City where some of the things you know, that have happened in our world in the last five, 10 years, I had to look at myself and go, oh my God, like I knew this, but how naive living in a city like New York are you to some of the realities of the rest of the world? And I think that something so beautiful that's happened is like you guys taking the U.S. Women's National Team to court, right? Because now I can't ever tell my daughters, like not that, it's off limits, or this, you can't Mm -hmm. kick down this door. Did you guys realize at the time, like, we're taking on the women's national soccer team here? Yeah. And this is what changes. This is like putting yourself in front of a cause like this.
1: Yeah. So the Federation's a beast, right? So that that we knew it was going to be tough. And we knew it was going to cost millions and millions of dollars. And we had to have the best of the best representing us. So the thing is, is everyone else had the same mindset you did. So all these lawyers came in and were like, looking at the numbers, looking at what we're highest jersey sales. I mean, you name it, everything, right? And they were like, whoa, 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 this is just not adding up, right? So I, yeah, I I know it's it's crazy to think about what we did and how hard it was during the time and how easy it could have been. You know, there should never be a place where you say to someone, I don't care how much you win. I don't care how many people show up. You're you're the women's team. You're the men's team. They deserve more money. On what grounds? Like, what?
0: Do you think that that same system, and I always hear that word thrown around a bunch when I hear some of your peers talking about women's national team, was it that same system that made you feel uncomfortable about your relationship with Ali? Like, did that type of environment make you question what you could allow yourself to do and still be respected by this federation? <sighs>
1: I kept – well, we kept our relationship private for, gosh, nine to ten years because we didn't want to have anyone fire us or That's, hold anything against so us. So, truly – Oh, no. We were engaged and didn't room together. We had separate – you know, I was always with, you know, Megan Rapino and she was always with Crystal Dunn, and we were like – when we were work mode, we were work mode. I was like, girl, I'll see you at a dinner maybe one night off, but
0: – Your team knew.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Coaches absolutely. knew. Absolutely, I would. I would assume so. But we were very professional, and you know, yeah, I, I don't think we even came out till 2019 because we finally got engaged, and we were like, "Come on, we have to, we have to."
0: But was it like, not, not to put you on the spot, but was it the women's national team more or less that kept you from wanting to, or was it just society over those ten years?
1: No, it was being on the same team and seeing how that would be viewed by higher ups. The higher and, ups, yeah. You know not mostly conservative white men who you know weren't
0: paying you already so well
1: well, that's true but it was (laughs) it's very true but it was my livelihood you know and it's what paid my bills and i wasn't willing to jeopardize that you know you just never you just never knew how they would respond to things And as soon as we came out, you know, owners or the Federation wrote us and was very kind and cordial about everything. And so were the coaches and accepting and it actually turned out to be not an issue at all.
0: That must have been such an amazing relief, right? Yeah. To have to like keep that private when you're so in love. You
1: get to the point, right? It's like. Literally, we had the conversation. This is the sickest part of it all. We were really willing to lose it all and jeopardize and walk away if people had an issue. That's the point we got to, which should never happen.
0: No. But I but I get it. Yeah. I mean, I get it. And you had also kept it quiet for so long that the emotion behind it was like, at this point, you probably were like, if you aren't willing to embrace this, we waited 10 years and it's on.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: And- um, when you moved from Orlando to New York and you grew up in Florida, mm-hmm. what was that adjustment for you like? Because this city's an adjustment.
1: Yeah. You know, it got to the point where clearly I, you know, I, I'm i married to a woman. I have two biracial children um, and politics in Florida just got so fucking bananas that I was like, I can't raise my no, family scary, here. Right? Yeah. You know, they were coming out with the don't say gay bills and then my kids can't even talk about me in school. Now they're ripping, you know, all all the books of my children's, you know, background and ancestors and taking away African American studies and LGBTQ plus books and I'm like this place is a fucking mess. I got to get out of here, right? And I was also tired of the lack of investment in Orlando. I was tired of you know being promised all of this stuff and never, never getting it, never building out a proper roster and never building out. They, they were just very content just saying, Oh, we own the women's team. Well, that just wasn't a, that wasn't good enough. And you're there for seven years. I want to compete for championships, yeah. right? This is why I show up every single day. I'm a i comp- I'm a competitor through and through. So it was time for a change.
0: Yeah. And how does that work? How do you, You weren't traded because they wanted to trade you, right? You went to management and said that Ali and I would like to live in New York. It's time.
1: Yeah, it's time to go. And it was really, really hard because I thought I would retire there. I'm from there. My family's from there. But sometimes you just like outgrow places and you need something different. And, you know, it's so great that my kids get to show up to school and have so much diversity and culture and i can walk into their schools and not be like am i safe here is my kids safe here like what the hell is going on i just you just never florida's bonkers right and it's not that and this is important because i say this it's not that i jump ship like i've got a ton of work to do there too like you think my passion in soccer and everything my community is everything to me Creating a safe space for everyone to show up and just be themselves very, very important to me. So I will continue doing the work. If it was if it was up to me, I'd be running that state, and yeah. DeSantis would be fucking shipped <laughs> off to somewhere else, exactly. <laughs> and that time will come because I truly believe in it, um, but it's just not yet. Yeah, it's not yet. I'm not ready for that type of life yet. I understand. But, uh, and you can yeah. do
0: that work from here. You mm-hmm. can start putting to work what you want to do long term in your hometown, correct? And still be here and running Gotham. Absolutely. You know, I soccer. Um, when I when we talked about like the future of Gotham's brand and what you're trying to do, the thing that really impressed me was that you viewed this as an opportunity to create a brand in New York. This was a team, but this was a brand that young women could aspire. Young boys playing soccer too could aspire to be a part of what this brand represented. And that's what really connected with me was like, I love the name. I love the colors and the brand. Um, I love where women's soccer sits in the zeitgeist. And it's so untapped. The idea that like a kid is handed a pacifier than a soccer ball. And that somehow it all falls to the wayside by like to nine or 10, unless you love the sport. And then if you love the sport by 11 or 12, you're actually the minority now, right? Like soccer has dropped below, at least in New York, now basketball, tennis, football. Oh, you wanna play soccer? Okay, cool, you're over here. And if you wanna play professional soccer, what's the point? That's Mm -hmm. kind of like the rhetoric, unless you're gonna play in the Olympics or the World Cup. Mm -hmm. And the idea that you can create a brand that is the answer for that, that all of a sudden, if you're a young person in New York, you wanna be a part of this Gotham brand. You wanna be a part of this community and that you guys can represent this sport. That's what's really exciting for me. Do you feel like by doing that for Gotham, um that potentially becomes a model for how the whole league grows, right? That these cities really have to become these regional brands of like hope for young soccer players.
1: Yeah, and 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 you use this word, uh, you know, when we were talking at the beginning, it's it's about culture. Yeah. You know, it's really tapping into the streets and you know, kids just dribbling soccer balls, like and you know, and parking lots and there's just so much to tap into and build a culture around this team that hasn't been done yet. I just don't think owners see the potential and not it's you have to build out a brand. Yeah. Look at a Barcelona. It's a freaking beast, you know, collaborations with, you know, God knows everyone under the sun even Drake, you know what I mean? And that's what I want to bring here to New York. I want to see things I'm designing in shops here and people are wearing it as lifestyle brands and feeling a part of this vision, feeling a part of this culture we're we're creating. And it it lives on so much longer than, you know, these players are going to come and go. But this brand, we got to get right. yeah. And that's my job. We got to get this brand right. And it's constantly explaining to ownership why the investment in doing this is so important and how every single detail matters. Yeah. It's not just throwing shit up on, on social and content and videos. Like everything is intentional. Everything is strategic. Everything is done at a certain standard. And yes, I am the first to be a creative director of a women's soccer club you know you're seeing it with ronnie here with the 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 next you know yeah Yeah, and the rangers and that is something i i am i am so inspired by his work and what he does i have no you know his budget is (laughs) see ya but my hope is to get to that point right and to create a space where this role is at every club because it is so important if we're going to build out the nwsl it's not just about Gotham building out a brand. It's every franchise, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, th- I feel like this is an important year for me to show what is possible. I think I'm being that might be a little too soon because everything takes time. Designing takes time. Getting old the olds out, getting the yeah. news in, you know, it's it's definitely gonna take, it's gonna be a process. But I'm like here for it. No,
0: you're going to do it. Yeah. It's really amazing to hear because your vision is clear.
1: Very. That's very. the best.
0: When the vision is clear, then it's just like roll up your sleeves and,
1: and let's go. And let's go. Yeah.
0: Who are the best five women in the world right now?
1: Best five players or teams? Players. Oh, gosh.
0: Like who are five everyone should be? Be I'll tell you about. what,
1: Mallory Swanson right now for the US our forward, she's had just statistically, she's scored seven goals already in this calendar year and in, in 2023. She's had 13 shots and has scored seven. Oh she is going to be a beast. And she is just starting, like she's she's fire right now, man. <laughs> and she's young. So she's the one I think she's going to be the biggest standout. I think at this world cup and she will carry this women's national team. Like Mallory has to be just out of this world um, because it is a new team. It's it's weird transition, right? The team that was 2019 that won the world cup. There's not many of them on that field anymore. So it's definitely a young team. I think our future is exciting and, Um, It's hard for me to say any other countries are the best because I'm like U.S. through and through. Um, But, uh, you know, Katerina Macario right now, she's coming off an injury. She is a a type of talent we have never seen before. She has all the tools to be, you know, the best in the world. Um, It's just going to see how she responds from this injury. And, and you know, Mm -hmm. you've been in sports forever. This is a part of it. It's part of the game and you have to have the right mindset and you have to have the right team of people because it's not e- it's getting younger and young. players yeah. are getting brought in younger and younger and young. I mean you look at Trinity Rodman you know just got brought up with the national team she's what 19 years old she's got like 20 more years of this bullshit she better strap in like have the right people around you right make the right decisions um and you can live like a beautiful long career from all the groundwork we've laid and be rich and retire and not have to do the shit I have to do every day. And that's my hope, right? Like I'm not a disgruntled player. My job is to make it easier for them, right? That is my job. I don't feel any type of way about it. I don't care if they, if I never see any of the the benefits of my work. I hope that these young players have to focus on just being the best in the world.
0: Do you think that they're coming into this knowing – the situation at hand no, fully no, or the work that you guys no, are doing? No. no.
1: But neither did I as a kid. Yeah. I was just here to play soccer, man. I didn't fucking care. Like, yeah. One are they just talking all the time and all these lawyer meetings. I'm like, is this ever going to end? And then I got older and I was like, here we go. Ah, yeah. Roll your sleeves up. It's your turn. Yeah. When you open your mouth, you tell the world who you are. You better speak on the right topics. Seriously. Yeah.
0: Speaking of topics, the world cup, Um, Visit Saudi, I just read, is a sponsor of the World Cup. And I saw that, or someone told me earlier today that Alex Morgan was one of the first women to speak out about it, right? What's your feeling on that? It's complicated, but how do you grapple with that?
1: I just think that FIFA for so long is so money-driven that they don't have any morals or understanding of how that might impact certain groups of people. And they need to wake up because... It is not okay the way, you know, my community is treated, women are treated, you know, human rights here are at risk and they just put people in the mix for a paycheck and they don't understand how that really, really affects groups of people and they have to be held accountable and I was a little disappointed watching the Men's World Cup and very few men spoke out about women's rights, human's rights, the the people who built those damn stadiums, like gay rights, everything.
0: Yeah, I was it, shocked.
1: I was I was pissed.
0: I felt like there was a level of fear that was um kind of present maybe because I was surprised that some of the bigger personalities in general didn't speak out. And it felt like maybe there was this feeling that like you got to watch your back on the ground where you were. Like it felt that way.
1: Yeah. And, and that, I think this is a, a real, and this this shows you the difference between the work women have to do and then the men are just like, hey, I'm just kind of here to like show up and play, right? I I can 100, I will 100% look you in the eyes and say, there is no way this women's national team would have showed up and played in that country. Yeah. There's no way. No they way. They would have brought the whole tournament down because they stand on the right side of change and they understand the weight of the roles that has been created for the platform and, and their voice. I mean, they, people listen, right? They have major, major weight in the things they say. And it is important to hold these FIFA accountable in the decisions that they make. And, and, and the women won't let them slip. They just don't care.
0: Were you really surprised that the men said and did nothing?
1: I was absolutely, su- no, actually, I, you're right. <laughs> disappointed, not I, surprised. I was disappointed, not surprised. Not surprised. I, was, I was hurt. It was such a moment to create real change, and they did nothing. That whole entire tournament, like, there's, no, I, I wasn't going to that. I would never show up and not feel safe. And like, soccer is what unites the world, literally. It is a place where you come in, you can bring yourself to you just don't even have to worry about what's going on in your personal life and your family life. It it is a moment to be free. Mm -hmm. And now we're not creating that. You know, you show up in a rainbow, you have a rainbow on your t-shirt and you're getting escorted and put into like a holding area. Like, come on, that's not creating a safe space where everyone can show up and, and be their authentic selves. Like you're just targeting and attacking a group of people.
0: It's crazy. Yeah, it's when you just hear unacceptable. It like that, it's crazy. Yeah,
1: it's unacceptable.
0: Well, I will tell you though, um, I am just as inspired as I thought I would be from speaking <laughs> to you. Uh, and I'm 100% positive that you will be the difference maker with this organization and with this sport in New York. I'm very confident in that and I'm honored to be working with you.
1: Thank you, me too. I um, I, I love spending time with you. Thank you. It's been so It's been so nice to have you guys in our corner.
0: Well, I appreciate that. It was just the beginning. It is. It is. We got a lot of work to a do. A lot of work to do. Well, thank you very much for joining Boardroom Out of Office, and I look forward to the home opener on April first. the ho- The opener is in LA. I just found out.
1: Yeah, that's that's the first game. First of our game, of the home opener, yeah. April first, and yeah. I will be there, and I'm against, excited to see. Yeah, against the rain. The against rain. Seattle. It's let's make it rain up in there. It's we gonna will. be. Yo, we're gonna light this bitch up. Light this bitch yeah, up. Yeah, let's I go! It. I can't wait.
0: Thank you everybody for tuning in. Go to boardroom.tv, subscribe, out of office, and we will see you all soon. Thank you, Ashlyn. Thanks for having me.